Welcome to the Frozen Steel Podcast. I'm Kyle. And I'm Ted. And a uh, lot's happened since the last time we uh, made a podcast, so we've got a lot to get into today. First things first, Pittsburgh Penguins have a new general manager in uh, Jimmy Rutherford. Yeah, a lot of opinions on it. Uh, I was kind of thinking about this earlier today with Ray Shiro. Uh, you know, Yoka's resume was not a whole lot he did wrong necessarily. You know, they did win a Stanley Cup uh, during his tenure, and really his failure was to not create a dynasty, which really, given uh, some of the players he had, you know, was something that he definitely could have attained. Uh, with Jimmy Rutherford, you know, he's an older GM. Uh, a lot of people call it more of a lateral move. Um, not really uh, measurably better than Shero in uh, any way, really. Uh, their drafts are about the same. Mm. You know, they both do pull off some trades from time to time. Uh, and he's apparently going to be a transitional guy. Yeah, he said he said that himself, I think. Yeah, and so there's other people in place. Um, and we'll just have to wait and see who takes over after that. Uh, Bill Guerin is a guy that's going to be in on a lot of these decisions, and definitely be neat to have a former player be the new GM. Yeah, when they um, when they hired Jimmy Rutherford, they elevated assistant general manager Jason Botterill to associate general manager, I believe, mm -hmm. and they also made um, Bill Guerin also an associate or an assistant general manager. Um, he was formerly the player development coach. However, moving on, one of, of Jimmy Rutherford's first acts as general manager was, of course, firing Dan Bilesma, mm -hmm. which led to a head coach hunt, um, which finally ended with the hiring of Mike Johnston and um, assistant coach Rick Tockett. I believe there is another assistant. His last name is Agnew. I cannot remember his first name right now. Yeah, when we uh, recorded our last podcast, or both of our opinions really were, Bowsman's probably gone as soon as a new GM is named. And that's what happened uh, really almost immediately. Uh, you know, we should just stop for a second and talk about what Bowsman has done. You know, arguably the best coach in Penguins history, uh, one cup, you know, most wins ever, mm -hmm. um, and got two most wins in far fewer games than, uh, you know, anyone behind him on the list. Uh, did win a Stanley Cup. Um, and a Jack Adams. Yep. Just one of those things where uh, his playoff success was lacking in the, you know, few years previous, so a move had to be made. Uh, I don't really hear much argument over his firing, but just wanted to kind of stop and talk about you know what he has accomplished. And the one bad thing where I do feel bad for him is they retained him as head coach. Uh, really, what the general opinion was was he stayed on because they didn't want Washington Capitals to hire him, and. Now it doesn't look like Bilesma is going to have a job this year. 
Uh, maybe if there's a coaching move early in the season, but he might have to wait till next summer to find a new job. Yeah, I mean, the the way they handled his firing, I mean, it was it was meant to, you know, not hurt the team because they didn't want him going to a divisional rival. Mm-hmm. Um, because both Carolina and Washington were looking for someone, so. In a way, it was a good move for the team, but it was kind of a dick move, personally. Yeah. But both Dan Bilesma and Ray Shero were kind of like victims of their own successes because they got just far enough and had just high enough expectations out mm-hmm. of everyone that when they still did, you know... <laughs> really good in the regular season you know it just wasn't enough for anyone anymore so that's those are the expectations that uh rutherford and johnston and talkett and agnew get to step into there's a fan base and an ownership that really want to win and they really want to win right now yeah and the pressure is on because you know these people are coming into place with the same expectations. You know, nothing's going to change because, you know, Crosby and Malkin are still there. Yeah. Um, so anyways, Jimmy Rutherford uh, made the firing and then immediately started to look for a new coach. And the first name that popped up, um, and really what we heard was it was a done deal, basically, uh, was when Willie Desjardins came into Pittsburgh and interviewed and you know there were rumors that they were talking figures and all that Uh, the problem is which I believe we touched on last podcast was Mike Babcock's contract in Detroit is up after next year and no one believes he will want to be a part of a team that is rebuilding and the speculation is Desjardins was only offered a two-year contract because they wanted to leave their options open for Babcock to come in, if possible. Which, you can't really blame anyone. Yeah. You know, who wouldn't want Mike my, my Babcock coming in to coach? Right, and you'd also, on the coach's standpoint, you'd want a little bit more job security than two years. Mm-hmm. I also heard that it was possibly because, um, I guess Rick Tockett was, like, management's guy. Like, they mm-hmm. picked him to be an assistant coach, and maybe... Maybe um, Desjardins didn't appreciate not being able to name his entire staff mm-hmm. himself. So whatever the case was, there were some differences, and it didn't happen. And so uh, they kept looking in uh, so on Mike Johnston, signed him to a deal, and uh, Rick Tocca was named assistant coach very quickly then as well. And just some things about Mike Johnston. I probably have already heard him now because he's been named a while ago. But he was in—he was a coach of a junior team most recently in Portland. Um, prior to that, he had worked with Team Canada um, in the early 2000s. Um, <clears throat> so he has experience internationally in the Olympics and dealing with NHL players. And he also was a, an assistant coach with the Kings and... Was there another organization? The Blues, I believe. Okay, with the Blues. And then Rick Tockett was, 
head coach of Tampa Bay mm -hmm. a few years ago. Before that, he was an assistant under Wayne Gretzky. And the newest coach that they added, Gary Agnew, was an assistant with the Blues from 2012 to 2014. Before that, he was an assistant with the Blue Jackets. And before that, he coached at Syracuse AHL team. So they all have, you know, actually they all have more NHL experience than Dan Bilesma did when he was hired. Mm -hmm. So And actually Rick Talkett has the most as a head coach anyway. That's true. He's the only one that was a head coach. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting. Um, what's next? Former Penguins. Okay. And as of July 1st, the team lost a few players to free agency. Yeah, I know we expected for some players to leave, and you know Jimmy Rutherford wanted to take the team in another di direction, so he basically let everyone leave. <laughs> yeah, I don't... I mean, he retained Marcel Gotch. Mm -hmm. He re-signed him. I can't really think of any other players he kept. Yep, a lot of people left. Uh, well, the biggest contracts were uh, Brooks Orpik and Matt Niskanen, who were both signed by the Washington Capitals. And uh, interestingly, Tom Reardon, a uh, former assistant coach, was also uh, signed by the Capitals, which Niskanen said was a big reason why he went there. Uh, but with Brooks Orpik, his deal was a lot larger than anyone thought. Um, I know in the last podcast we were saying uh, Orpik probably wouldn't be back in Pittsburgh because it just wasn't worth that kind of money anymore. But he went to Washington and got a much higher raise than anyone expected. And it's really taken a lot of heat um, recently. And, you know, the coach and GM have had to get in front of the mic and defend their decision. But Brooks Orpik uh, signed a five-year contract at $5.75 million a year which is a very hefty contract for someone his age. That is pretty big. He will be 38, I think, when the contract is up. So just think about a $5.75 million cap hit for a 38-year-old physical defenseman. Yeah, who's going to maybe get maybe get five points a year. Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, the people in Washington won't be happy about that by the end of by the end of season two, maybe by the end of this season, they'll be trying to get away out of that. Mm -hmm. And common opinion really is he's already lost a step from where he was, you know, just a few years ago. And Matt Niskanen uh, got a large deal as well. Uh, you know, pretty happy for him. You know, just didn't have... I don't want to say he didn't have a home in Pittsburgh, but not really the role he wanted because um, with a healthy roster, Matt Niskanen was probably the number five defenseman in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, of all the players, he was probably the one that I didn't want to see go the most because mm -hmm. of what he brought. But at the same time, probably money better spent somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And a couple other players, uh, a little surprising at what they made, uh, Joe Vitale. Uh, was signed by the Phoenix Coyotes around a million dollars per year, which is almost double what he was making. I believe he was making five hundred and fifty thousand in Pittsburgh. 
not playing every game mm-hmm. as well. And then Derek Engeland, uh, who was really sought after by the Calgary Flames. And that's another player that didn't play every game, but they wanted him and didn't signed him to a deal. Not only did he not play every game, he didn't even play every game at his position. Yeah, yeah, played on the fourth line much during this year. So, And then Tanner Glass was signed by the New York Rangers, which that was just a slight raise. But I think Glass is a guy that, uh, you know, had a little bit of success in Pittsburgh, but really, you know, wanted to go a different direction and trying to revamp that bottom six, uh, you know, just letting him walk. Mm-hmm. And then the last guy... Probably the player I wanted uh, the Penguins to keep the most was UC Jokinen. And something I didn't really think about when Rutherford was first signed as GM, uh, Jimmy Rutherford is the one that signed UC Jokinen in Carolina when he was the GM there, and Jokinen underperformed. Uh, so really, you know, there was no chance of him being re-signed. Yeah, he went to the uh, Florida Panthers. Mm-hmm. Which he got a nice raise as well. I believe $4 million a year. So with all those people gone, um, it kind of leaves some holes to fill. Because not only did those people leave from free agency, but before that, James Neal was traded to Nashville for Nick Spalling and Patrick Hornquist. Yeah, and kind of interesting revelation we've heard lately. Well, we should tell the story about Neal. Oh, well, it just, I guess rumors are that James Neal wasn't necessarily a good guy to have in the locker room. Mm -hmm. Um, There have been reports, and I guess a lot of it has been either directly from comments made by Brooks Orpik or um, just things inferred from comments Mm -hmm. by Brooks Orpik and others that um, the Penguins locker room at least for the second half of the season, um, was not a place you wanted to be. Uh, no one was really having any fun, and it was just kind of a chore, and everyone just hated being there. So, and I guess to an extent you can kind of, you can maybe kind of see that, because at least after um, the Olympic break, everything did kind of feel different and look different on the ice. It just kind of seemed like no one really cared that they were there you know anymore like there was a definite downtick in effort that I think was visible to um to the viewer Mm -hmm. after the Olympics so maybe there is something to those rumors I don't know yeah and James Neal at times it didn't seem like he had the kind of attitude you'd want in the locker room and a few years ago it wasn't an issue because he was you know, scoring 40 goals. <laughs> but as soon as that production drops, you're just not a guy you want around. So anyway, he's gone now. Yeah, and in return, they got Nick Spalling and Patrick Hornquist. Uh, Hornquist is a 20-goal scorer and more of a power forward. It'll be interesting to see where he fits in. Uh, we assume uh, he'll start the season on Malkin's wing. Might get some utilization on the uh, power play unit in as like a net front mm-hmm. presence. Maybe give uh, Chris Kunitz a rest. And then also in that trade, they got uh, Nick Spalling, uh, who's going to be 
a bottom six forward, but or just a good, you know, grinder guy can get pucks in deep, cycle the puck. Uh, he, however, is an RFA right now, and uh, filed for arbitration. Hmm. So, what does that mean? They can give him an offer, or is he gone, or? Uh, when you file for arbitration, what happens is you will have a hearing with both the NHL and representatives from the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I remember hearing Ryan Malone's take on it years ago when he filed, uh, when he was still a Penguin. Uh, basically, you go in, and Ryan Malone's representatives uh, made their case on why he was a great player. And then Pittsburgh representatives, uh, you know, pointed out all of his flaws because they're trying to get as cheap of a deal as possible. And then the NHL comes up with what they determine is a fair deal. And then the player has the option to sign that or not. Um, I don't believe they can sign with another team once it gets to that point, though. Okay. Just to let everyone know what arbitration and mm -hmm. all that stuff is okay so those are the players that are gone and there were some new free agent signings probably the most well there are two that i think are kind of notable uh the one that happened first was christian Erhoff, who most recently played for the buffalo sabers yep. yeah yeah that one was just surprising because well first of all it was surprising that he was bought out of his contract but buffalo was trying to rebuild so they just thought it would be best for their team. And then Erhoff, he just wanted to play for a winner. So he accepted a one-year, $4 million deal, which really was a steal for the Penguins. He is a uh, – is he a right-shot defenseman or is he a left-shot? I don't know exactly. Because I know some people are thinking that on on the power play you would you – would, uh, Pair him on the point with Latang because they each have opposite mm -hmm. shots, so he would be a left shot. Yeah, Latang shoots right. Okay, so, but yeah, he's a he's kind of a puck mover, um, not crazy physical in that style, but positional, good positional defensive. defensive. Yeah, great at the outlet pass, moving things north. Always good. The other notable signing was Steve Downey. Yeah, I'm sure there are a lot of mixed feelings in Pittsburgh about this. Um, you know, everyone knows who Steve Downey is. You know, he's a dirty player, uh, gets suspended a lot. Uh, the one reason why this might work, though, is because of Rick Tockett. Uh, they brought him in as assistant coach, like we said before. And when Tockett was the head coach of the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, Steve Downey's best season was while he was there. Uh, Taka kept him on a short leash and was able to use his talent. And he played on a scoring line with uh, Marty St. Louis and Steven Stamkos and did well, did not look out of place playing on the top line. And one thing a lot of people don't remember, Steve Downey was a first-round draft pick. He does have the offensive talent. Um, as long as Rick Tockett can keep him playing the right way, you know, he could be successful. He could be. And I, Downey has made comments that uh, he's definitely there to, <coughs> you know, protect 
uh, Crosby and Malkin. So he's going to be that guy that I guess the Penguins have been looking for for several seasons now. Yeah, a guy that can actually be out on the ice with those players. Yeah, instead of sending someone else out a couple shifts later to go beat up. Yeah, yeah their, Crosby their gets roughed up, so you wait for a whistle and then send your fourth line out. Yeah, so hopefully um, maybe some of the abuse will stop or at least be lessened a bit. Um, some other signings were Blake Como. Yeah, that's just, you know, not a whole lot to say about it, but, you know, we talked about him trying to revamp the bottom six, and that's definitely a step in the right direction. Yeah, he came from the Columbus Blue Jackets, and I thought he played, you know, decently against the Pens in mm-hmm. in the playoffs. So, I mean, I don't know what his exact stats are, but he – I don't think he looked bad, nor did he look amazing. So just a, probably a – Pretty decent spot filler on this third yeah, line. Yeah, he's a guy that, um, you know, they're going to look to be a good role player in the playoffs. And Thomas Grice was added, and this is a goaltender. So now the Pens have three. Three Germans. <laughs> they do have, they've signed three Germans, <laughs> and they re-signed Marcel Gotch. Mm-hmm. So, um, but also... They have three signed goaltenders, so I don't know if this is kind of a signal to uh, Jeff Zatkoff or something. I would say probably. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury is clearly the starter, but Grice and Zatkoff both have one-way deals, so Zatkoff may be making a million dollars playing in the AHL. Um, You know, Zatkoff was Shero's guy, Grice... You know, it's Rutherford's guy, so he'll probably get the shot at being the backup. You know, I mean, if his numbers are bad, yeah, you know, Zakhoff might stay in the NHL, but right now it looks like he won't be. Do you think they just don't have any confidence in, like, do you think it might be a case where, like, Fleury obviously gets the bulk of the starts, but then the other two backups just kind of split games? like use them that little or do they really want to maybe use flurry a little less and and kind of keep everyone in a rotation really i'm sure they'll all be up to mike johnston uh it would be tough to keep three goalies on the roster just because you will have two that aren't playing very much yeah one will always be scratched Mm -hmm. so i don't know just I can't imagine they're just going to keep one guy and send him down to the AHL. I don't know if maybe there's like a just an in, is an insurance signing so that maybe they can trade one of them later in the season. Mm-hmm. Who knows? There is a player that we forgot to mention. Um, Thomas Vokun didn't play at all last season, but his contract was up and he is no longer – Pittsburgh Penguin. So whether or not he's going to be able to find a job because of his health problems and his age, I don't know. He will probably, if not in the NHL, probably return to uh, Europe and find something there. Yeah, he might even play in the Czech Republic. Um, You know, might look at the KHL. I don't know if there would be any options there or not. 
Okay. So, was there anything else we need to talk about? Uh, re-signings. Oh. Uh, Penguins re-signed Marcel Gotch, uh, which was a nice move. And just makes them very strong down the center now with uh, Crosby, Malkin, Sutter, and now Gotch. And then a signing that just happened is uh, Simone Dupre was signed to a two-year, $1.8 million contract. So only a slight raise. He'll be making $900,000 a year now. Uh, I'm very intrigued by this signing, though, because there's a lot of talk that Dupre had fallen out of favor of Biosma and Shiro, really. And, you know, we've heard a lot of rumors um, not really sure what's true. Uh, there was talk that he wasn't great at practices, not really giving a full effort. But it'll be interesting now uh, with a new regime um, to see if he can stay on in the NHL. And he'll have an opportunity to uh, since they lost Orpik and Niskanen. And also uh, Olimata is injured and probably won't start the season. So, it'd definitely be a storyline to watch. And then, speaking of injuries, we mentioned Mata. He has a shorter injury, as does Derek Pouliot. And so, they're both, uh, well, they both have had surgery and are expected to miss uh, the beginning of the season, uh, which, you know, gives Simone Dupre a shot, but also uh, Brian Dumoulin will have a shot as well to make the club, um, at least at the start. And then uh, Sidney Crosby came out that he has a wrist injury and did so during the playoffs. Uh, it was really late when they finally disclosed it. Normally, once a team's eliminated, it's almost that night yeah. <laughs> where it comes out. Um, but at this point, Crosby has elected to not have surgery. He's just going to continue to have treatments. I believe he has injections. And uh, you know, hopefully he can avoid surgery. Yeah, it was weird. Like, the first I heard about it was, like, an announcement that he was going to have surgery. And then the next day, the announcement was that it would just be treated by physical therapy and, mm -hmm. and non-surgical means. So, I mean, I don't know if that... I don't know if that's good or not that they're going to try and treat it non-surgically because that's just going to... If he eventually needs surgery, it's just going to push that closer to the beginning of the season. Mm -hmm. So that'll just because then he might not start the season 100 percent if he's still recovering from an uh, a surgery. Yeah, and with all these changes, you know, you don't want someone like Crosby going out because you're trying to, you know, get this team to gel as early as possible. Yeah, new players, new coaches, new system. There's a lot of new things that. That'll be happening next season, so it'll be uh, interesting to see. Well, I think that's all we have to uh, to talk about this time. So, guess we'll just wait and see what happens with all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. See ya. See ya. <laughs>